Joining us now from One Roof, Ashley Church. Hello, Ashley. G'day, Simon. How are you, mate? I'm very, very good. It's very nice to hear your voice. And yours too. We really appreciate your view and expertise. So, first blush, what do you think of this announcement? Oh, well, you know, Justin, you probably already covered this in your intro, but just remembering why this is happening, just to, to put it into some context. So the reason this is happening is this view that's been around for quite some number of years that we need to dramatically increase the number of dwellings um, in order to uh, meet the demand that's out there. And there's a belief that if we do that, that that will bring down house prices or at least moderate the degree at which they grow. Mm. So, you know, in that context, you can kind of understand where this has come from. Look, there's, there's two things in this that, that are interesting. The first of them is, in this bill, the first of them is this, this change in rules around intensification, which basically says that uh, if you've got a section that you want to develop on, uh, that you'll be able to build a building of up to three storeys in height covering... Uh, up to 50% of that land without consent, without council consent. Um, and so, you know, that, that's probably a, a good thing. And I'll come back to that in a second. And the other one is that this thing's paired with this, uh, the something called the Government's uh, National Policy Statement on Urban Development, which came out last year. Um, and this was a fairly far-reaching document that basically cut across uh, what local government was able to to uh, limit with regard to construction of residential dwellings and basically says, hey, we're taking over control of those rules and we're telling councils what they can and can't do. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing about this, just before you ask the next question, the interesting thing about this is a little bit of a he said, she said, and the blame on this thing because councils basically blame the government and say, well, it's all the fault of the Resource Management Act and it's your fault that we're in this position. Mm. And government means the councils and said, well, if you guys would hurry up with resource consents, then these issues would all be resolved. So this is an attempt to cut through that. Right. So what I guess what I'm concerned about, Ashley, with, basically it's kind of like the RMA had been so problematic, and so yep. they go, this is a problem, we're getting all this heat from the RMA, so let's just rip the whole thing up and say open slather, and we're going to get potentially sort of slums where people don't have the best interests of the community at heart. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I do think it's fair, and there's an element. To be fair, this isn't a completely new debate, because Auckland had this debate starting back in 2013 when they started looking at their unitary plan, which was basically the, a plan that was designed to take over all of the existing plans of all of the councils, the development plans of all of the councils that preceded the Auckland Council. Mm. And so they went through this debate with their community, and they came up with this unitary plan, which did a lot of what this thing's actually talking about. It, taught, it had this mantra of what's called up and out, yeah. which meant that they, they wanted to intensify growth upwards, and, and they, they, want, they didn't want so much focus on growing out into the, to the sort of the, the rural areas. Yeah. So this kind of takes up that baton and keeps going with it. But you're absolutely right. In the process of doing that, it takes away uh, democratic processes. So in the cities that are affected, which are Auckland, Wellington, Hamilton and Christchurch, it's basically saying to those communities, government knows better, uh, your local your local elected officials don't know better, and, and we're going to make those decisions for you. And I think you're right, that's going to have all sorts of deleterious impacts on what those communities look like going forward. Uh, hey, Ashley, it's James here. The National Policy, hi, uh, Policy Statement also uh, <laughs> says that you don't need car parks. They're not going to need yeah. car parks. Uh, how's that going to work? Well, this, inter- this is interesting. So where this comes from, this is this is a policy that's actually been promoted by Julianne Genta from the Greens for probably 10 years. And she's kind of got a point and she kind of hasn't. So the reason for this, and she was looking at this originally with regard to shopping centres, and she was making the point 10 years ago that if you look at New Zealand shopping centres, the councils put a provision on them to, require, to, to, to provide parking, and we end up with these American-style things where you've got a, a mall and then you've got this massive provision of parking and, and that that land could be used more effectively if it was being used for development. And that's a fair point. 
But there's also an ideological element in this which says that we want to get people out of cars and onto buses and into public transport. Therefore, if we limit the amount of parking in these developments going forward, then we're going to create this utopian society where everybody's going to catch a bus or ride a bike. And so there's an element of naivety in this. And so that's, my fear with this, whether it's residential or commercial, is that in 10 or 15 years' time, we're going to look at communities where we've done this and we're going to say, oh, my God, what were we thinking? Mm. We've now got no provision of parking where we should have had it. But, but they're buying them at the moment, aren't they, without parks? Oh, absolutely. And, but, but that will intensify. So this is basically saying they won't even be required and councils won't, won't be able to require... Councils won't be able to say to a developer, you need to put parking in if you're building a residential apartment block. Mm. And as I say, it's, for, it's, it's as much for ideological reasons as it is for practical and economic reasons. Right. Ashley, just because you're so experienced in the field, I'm going to ask you three questions to get you to give me a number, <laughs> but to give, get you to give us a number between one and ten, good uh, okay. being ten, one being hopeless. This policy for first home buyers, the government's saying, and national, it's a dual policy, they're saying it's going to be brilliant for first home buyers. I'm not so sure. Where, where would you put it between one so and what ten? What was the scale? Ten, ten was good, one was hopeless? Yeah. Three. Three, that's what Ooh. I reckon. Okay. Benefits to Auckland City? Three and a half, three point five four. And <laughs> and and benefits to the building industry? Oh, zero. It won't make any difference to the building industry at all. I mean, their issues have got nothing to do with council constraints. They're, mm. they're there to do with labour and a whole range of other stuff that this doesn't touch on at all. And I totally agree with that. So, so overall then, with everything taken uh, into account, between naught and 10 or 1 and 10... I'd have to say three as much as I'd like to say higher. I'd have to say three. We are kindred spirits, Ashley, and you know a hell of a lot more than me. So I'm going to be, I'm going to attach myself to your coattails. Thank you very much for your time. I'm an outlier. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> James. <laughs> Ashley Church from One Roof. Yeah, well, we shall see. It is expected to happen August 2022, so less than a year away. Mm-hmm. Amazing stuff. The world is changing.